Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Just like that, the final hour is here. Tuesday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls Show's on. flying by today. Yes. Flying That's the way we like it. Kurt Schilling joins us coming up in 20 minutes. A lot to discuss. We've got some headlines out of the college, well, the college World Series and the postseason. We've got the team set, but the pitch counts—a big discussion on social media and among baseball fans and coaches and media members alike. 164 pitches, 154 pitches over the same weekend for the same or two different uh, players. Get Kurt's take on. Uh, didn't you know leaving that, a guy in that pitches you don't count in college? They only count when you get to the majors. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, pitch counts, it's nothing. Nothing nothing to see here in college. Only in major it leagues is, does it matter. It is amazing, though, to see these guys work I, work longer than six innings. I'm yeah, saying that now. Look, it's, it's, I, it's jarring for, like, I'm not turning on any college baseball game, but when I do, I'm like, oh, this is the starter? It's, it's the seventh. I just not... It's jarring to me now, having watched major league baseball now for the last 15 years. We'll see how their careers go. But I'm here to report none of these players are dead. No. They're all still alive. They said the same they're, thing. They're still Their arm alive. is attached. They continue to, you know, have a functioning arm after pitching 164 pitches. So the science is in. They're alive. They still have a pulse. We'll see how Major League Baseball responds. More importantly, we'll see how Kurt Schilling responds to the questions of pitch count coming up a little bit later. That and DeGrom and others. Well, we've got a lot of topics to hit uh, coming up. We've got a new champion in the NBA. Denver Nuggets, NBA champions for the first time, uh, defeating the Miami Heat last night in Game 5, winning the series 4-1 with the best player. Nikola Jokic, dominant. The first NBA player to, in the postseason, lead in all three main categories, points, rebounds, and assists, unanimous MVP. He's the lowest draft pick to ever go on to win the NBA Finals MVP. 41st overall was his selection. ESPN actually broke away from coverage and they were in the middle of a Taco Bell commercial when Jokic was announced as the Nuggets' second-round pick. And he turns out to be a two-time MVP and now NBA champion to go along with the MVP award where there was not even a discussion to be had about who was up for that, for that honor. He was not just great, but exceptional night in and night out. Because, Chad, even when he was getting 24 points in a game, he would dominate the offensive end by facilitating the basketball to others that were taking over. An amazing passer on top of everything else that he does. In Denver, he is the sun, and everyone orbits around him. That's how the offense functions. Regardless if he's putting up a ton of shots or scoring a bunch of points, everything orbits around Joker within that offense. I think everything should function around and orbit around the Joker when it comes to the NBA. you got a special superstar here. And what I mean by that is he's unlike almost every superstar in any profession. 
because he's not one to give himself all the credit. He's not one to try to do something for social media likes or for clicks. He is someone that's all about the team. He's someone that's all about building relationships with his teammates and giving credit where credit is due. What a novel idea to give credit where credit is due. This man just won his first NBA Finals last night, his first championship as an NBA player. He's a two-time MVP. And instead of falling to the ground in tears like we've seen in the past, of jumping in the air, jumping up on the scores table and celebrating, he walked over to the Miami Heat players and he greeted them one after the other. And he didn't start a celebration then. He told all of them, great job. And he consoled them. And then he went and did his interview. And in the interview, he said, the job is done. We can go home now. Talking about his family. This is a superstar unlike almost any other in sports. Are there other NBA players who are selfless and are about the team? Absolutely. But he's the greatest player on the planet currently. And this is all that he is about. Not about himself. He's about the team. He is about winning a championship. But when he wins that championship... He goes and tells the team he just vanquished. Nice job. Good effort. <laughs> and then he goes back to talking with his family and talking with his teammates and not going crazy. Hutton, you said it earlier, he'd be a terrific golfer yep. because he's got that mindset and he's so even keel. The NBA should go all in on Nikola Jokic being their focus of what this league could be. He is a superstar, and I hope they market him as such. I mean – Consider if he had, if he was the, on the PGA Tour and he had this mentality to just drown out any of the drama and stay this consistent in the big moments, pressure packed moments. He, he's a 30, he won 30 majors. <laughs> he's that type of guy. It takes that quality to reach that level. Um, it's, it's something just to be a five time major champion. You know, there's a different threshold there that you, that you reach, that you obtain, uh, and that we've seen. Uh, from you know recent young stars uh, across the the PGA and and now live, I, I Jokic also, is now on that. He's now on the national radar, and he's a guy that didn't really mind not being there, despite being the two time MVP. And for the American sports audience, yes, I get that he's you know Serbian and uh, English is a second language. You can hear that every time he does a, an interview, and he's talking about it's time to go home now. He's not talking about going to a rich suburb of Denver or going to live in Boulder. He's talking about going to Serbia. So he is a European guy, a European player. And I can understand we can have a conversation about, you know, how marketable is that in the United States? Here's what's marketable about him is we see pictures of him right now. The dude physically is an everyman. I've got people in the YouTube chat saying he's got a bad body. And I'm thinking no. that's part of his appeal, though, to most people is they look at him and it's like, this dude is the best basketball player on the planet, really? I mean, yes, he's 6'11", almost 7 feet, but I think that's part of his appeal, is that he has sort of an everyman, workman-like quality about him that most average Joes out there can relate to, and it's, it's cool to see. The other thing that's good for the league here is that they've gotten through this entire playoff run with a lot of quality, uh, just... The coverage was about basketball. I'm viewing because it was about what was going on on the court, not off of it. And the, the drama off of it was trash talk that facilitated more eyeballs for 
what was a very entertaining postseason run top to bottom. But they end it by having already crowned their star, their former MVP, again, back-to-back years. And it doesn't win it this year, but was in the conversation. And he's the best player in the league. And that's great for a league that has a lot of great talent over the age of 30. He's 28 years old, right? Yep. If you just start rattling off the top players in the NBA, all of them are over 30. Many are over the age of 34, 35 years old. And I think it's important for the the faces of the league to get younger. And that's why, you know, John Moran at this time last year was the talk about being the next guy. And now we have Jokic taking over not just the crown of the NBA's best player, but he is he's the present and the future. And for a league that has Steph Curry at 35, and I mean, even Jimmy Butler is 34, 35 years old. Kevin Durant's 35. Uh, LeBron James is 39. I mean, you've you've got all of these different stars that are still stars, but at some point, the age becomes a factor. And Jokic is there to take over and do it at such a dominant level. It's not a fluke. And now it's time. He's on He's on a path to be one of the greatest of all time. I'm not going to put a number on it, but let's say top five, top ten, all-time player. That, that's where he's headed. It's a chance for him now to go be great. I brought it up yesterday. you got guys on yeah. that team, major contributors that are locked up for a little while. He's one of them. Go win multiple titles. That's the opportunity now in front of Jokic and his Nuggets team. And you know what? They, and they brought this up last night. They may have multiple titles today had Jamal Murray not hurt his knee. You're right. That was a huge point as to why they didn't feel like they succeeded at the level they should have a year ago. If they have Jamal Murray on that team, they believe they win the Larry O'Brien Trophy last year. Well, so now with, with that, it with, has started. Yes. This could open up the floodgate of championships for the Nuggets. Under the radar and also under the radar among owners, Stan Kroenke. Oh, my goodness. How about the run that he's been on uh, with champions? He's got all these different titles. And, and, of course, he's the owner of the Los Angeles Rams. They win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Colorado Mammoth. Didn't know it was a league. Lacrosse. Didn't know lacrosse had hey, a league. you know what? You know about them now because Stan Kroenke won a title, by God. Colorado Avalanche winning the championship in 2022, and now the Denver Nuggets for the first time ever winning the championship. And if you ask Kroenke, he will say that Mammoth title is the most important of all four <laughs> of this. Uh, I'm kidding. Stan Kroenke, it's, it's impossible to argue with the results. He, he's the best owner in sports right now. Right now, given the recent results of what he's done in major sports, he's the best owner out there. Well, that, what he's not the best at is knowing how a microphone works. Because oh. that post-game interview with Lisa Salters last night was one of the more unintentionally hilarious things <laughs> I've ever witnessed in a post-game interview where you are clearly <laughs> addressing the arena. And because Stan Kroenke, I mean, it was like a Will Ferrell skit. Because Stan Kroenke couldn't understand that people could hear through the microphone that because he couldn't hear Lisa Salter's questions, he then answered the questions, and we're going to show you a picture, answered the questions into Lisa Salter's ear Mm -hmm. and away from the microphone as if he thought Lisa Salter's was doing an interview for the arena and for ABC ESPN with no microphone, just ear-to-ear, face-to-face, 
this is one of the biggest failures of understanding how a microphone, how audio works that I've ever seen from a billionaire in Stan Kroenke. So congratulations on all the championships. But next time you win a championship, you've had plenty of practice already. Please understand that when a microphone goes in front of your face and someone asks you a question, this is not the time to lean over and whisper into that person's ear while they're trying to get you on mic. That was hilarious to watch last night. Lisa Salters, like me, I I was in my living room and able to laugh out loud. You could see the look in her face about to laugh at how absurd the situation was. I, I, I would love to know what his favorite property is that he, that he owns. It's like, the mammoth. Uh, no it doubt. could be the mammoth. Uh, consider, like, so he owns, he owns Ball Arena and the property there. He bought that out through the company that he founded. Uh, he's married to Ann Walton Kroenke, uh, one of the heirs to the Walton throne with Walmart. You've got, here are his teams, Rams, Nuggets, Avalanche, the mammoth. Should have led with that. He also owns the Colorado Rapids, Arsenal, Arsenal FC, Arsenal That's a good one. WFC. He owns the Los Angeles Gladiators and the Los Angeles Gorillas. Both of those are esports, and they're okay. also dominant. All right. But that's the new space that he's in, and he's got them all, and as well as the uh, Paramount Theater. He owns the Paramount Theater in downtown Denver, the historic uh, theater there. He went ahead and bought that too. The man owns a little bit of everything. In sports. He is a sports Goliath. Uh, Royce in the YouTube chat says, my vote is for the Saudis being the best owners in sports very soon. Could be. Could be. Do the Saudis own Skycam? No, they don't. Skycam. The eye in the sky? Stan Kroenke owns owns Skycam. Really? Yes. And what were the name of the esports teams again? The Gorillas? The Gladiators and the Gorillas. I'm willing to Stan Kroenke, eye in the sky. You know, truth serum, Lisa Salter's ear in front of him, and he was going to whisper something to us or to her ear about what he covets the most (laughs) and his favorite team to own. I am willing to bet, given all that he's gone through with this team, it is the Los Angeles Rams. He also owns 19 hunting, fishing, and shooting magazines. He owns the Sportsman and Outdoor channels and the World Fishing uh, Channel. I didn't know he was such an outdoorsman. <laughs> He's not. I bet, I bet it's the Rams for what he had to go through to get them out of St. Louis to L.A. and yeah, winning all, a title All there. those owners who had to pay to help him leave yeah. St. Louis. I mean, he's had to seek a lot of therapy to get there. You know, guys, I had to take the handout from all the owners that had to pay the lawsuit to St. Louis. Um, I would say it's probably them, but who knows? Maybe Arsenal. That's yeah. got to be up, on, up there on the list. No matter what, though, you know Ann Walton Kroenke is the uh, – he'll never be able to uh, – Surpass her what in if, wealth. What if Kroenke really thought that that was an interview and he was just talking <laughs> off the record with Lisa Salters <laughs> and he just leans over and, and when he whispers into her ear, he says, you know, this is like the seventh most favorite thing I own. <laughs> this, this people. This is getting old. Doing, I don't even care. This is getting old. I don't even, Lisa, I don't care about this title <laughs> as much as the Mammoths Championship. I don't like basketball even. I'm, I pretend <laughs> to like it. I'm just here. These Nuggets fan, I don't like them. They didn't care for years. They can have this, but I don't like it. What if he said that to her instead? That would be I the mean, secret we all want to know. Maybe so. So many titles. So many ring ceremonies and parades. Uh, Denver will celebrate with their parade They're going to have a legitimate uh, banner to hang in their rafters after this championship. Best championship uh, celebration for Kurt Schilling. We'll ask him that. Plus, um, a lot of discussion about pitch counts. Kurt Schilling joins us next on Hot Mike.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, which includes the YouTube channel. Over a million subscribers. You can be one of them. Hope to subscribe to the channel. Just search out Outkick. And uh, from there, give us a thumbs up. Join us in the chat, and you can join all of the great programs and shows live or on demand. You can also catch Kurt Schilling, our next guest, the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, available every Tuesday and Friday at outkick.com. Always love our conversations uh, with the great Kurt Schilling. Kurt, good to see you, man. What's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, excellent. We were discussing the Nuggets winning the title last night and the parade that's coming up on Thursday. Your favorite World Series championship celebration was which one? Oh, God. Nothing close. I mean, there was three or four million people in the streets of Boston in 2004. I mean, you know, Arizona was personal because I grew up there, but mm. Boston was, I think, the biggest ever. And the, and the best parties, too, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming? Oh, well, I, 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 I mean... I, I won those. I was part of those in, in later in my life as a husband and a father. So there was always <laughs> the season was over. So, you know, I, I, I remember in 01, we literally left the day after the World Series to go on a, a Disney cruise we had planned a year before because we planned it in November. No one plays baseball in November. Well, 9 <laughs> 11 happens and yeah. we end up playing on November 5th. So, um, and then, uh, but 04, I stuck around for, and that was, I mean, it, it was like a four-hour Who concert, really, and then it was—I mean, the 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 people jumping in the Charles River when it was thirty-some degrees. I was just—it was insane. Kurt Schilling with us. Uh, we, the reaction to the pitch counts in college baseball right now. Chad and I were mocking that as insane uh, <laughs> yesterday. But when you see, like, I, I was telling Chad, I, I'm watching a little bit of the super regional coverage. And when I see a starter is in the game right now, Kurt, in the seventh inning, I'm thinking, man, this is jarring. I don't, I'm not seeing this at the major league level. And this is yeah. coming from a guy that really doesn't watch a whole lot of baseball compared to the way I did in the 90s and early 2000s. And now I'm almost conditioned for the, the relievers to be in in the fifth or sixth inning. Meanwhile, the college guys, are they're rolling right on through, which tells me that major league baseball could do it as well. Well, they could, but there's not. Uh, I don't know of any college player with a three hundred and forty million dollar ten year deal, and yeah. that that that's what's changed. Uh, the fact of the matter is, they're investing these, you know, tens of twenty and thirty million dollars before these guys ever get to the big leagues. Um, and you know, you can't blame the pitchers because it's what they're doing to the kids in the minor leagues. They're not getting the innings. They're not stretching them out, and they're doing it on purpose because they're not going to do it in the big leagues. So. Um, you know, the, the, the 156 pitch game the other day, the Stanford got kid, um, you know, I, I, I tried to, I, I said on my show the other day, you know, one of the things I tell young pitchers is you're never going to, uh, no one's ever going to care about your career as much as you will. Uh, and that includes coaches, um, and college is a business. Um, 
uh, it is a it is a money making business for some of these schools, Stanford especially. Um, and those coaches, you know, they don't give a lot of thought to to some, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of the coaches don't give a lot of thought to what a kid's going to do afterwards. They don't really care because they've got them for two, three, four years, and they're going to get every pitch they can out of them, and they'll move on. Um, and so, you know, you got to advocate for yourself. But but I, I think as a coach too, you, I think your part of your responsibility is to protect the player from himself. But uh, early in my career, or early in Terry's managing career, uh, I led the major leagues in what they had called pitcher abuse points, um, which wasn't a category you want to lead the big leagues in, in, but but I did. And I did so because I pitched, I threw a lot of innings, a lot of pitches, uh, and that was how I was raised and conditioned. And, and you know, going back and looking back now, it, it didn't help me. It wasn't good for me, but but I don't, I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, and Tito was trying to win games. It's his first job as a manager and we're a horrible team. So, you know, there's a lot of things that come, that combine to, to come to the, that, you know, that perfect storm in the big leagues that you can prepare a kid in the minor leagues to get ready for. I, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in, in, well, I know for a fact, all pitches aren't created equal. I can throw 120 pitches in a nine, nothing game and have it feel like 75 pitches in a nothing, nothing game there. The, the level of effort needed is very different. Um, you, you don't, I don't think as a pitcher, you try and make that happen, but, but it is part of it. Absolutely. So I, I'm a little odd and that I'm a big baseball fan. I love baseball, but I'm not the biggest college baseball fan. There's just always something that has felt a little bit small time to me. And it's weird because it I like, bat. it's, it's the bat, but it's just something about the surround. Like there are parts of an elements. Like I totally get, you know, like you get into the passionate yeah, right. super regional or watch the games in Omaha. Yep. And I, I can understand it, and the game is the game, right? But what do you think about college baseball when when, when you watch it, Kurt? Is, well, the, is the bat that throws you off? No, no. Here's the thing, and I, I would tell you, I, I, my guess would be the reason it doesn't have the appeal that big league baseball does is it's just not the same speed. Big league baseball is played at a speed that people cannot comprehend. When you watch Ozzie Smith turn a double play or or – you know, uh, uh, you watch, uh, you know, guys do things in the big leagues. No one else in the world can do them at the speed that they do them with and, and with the beauty and precision that they do them with. You know, college is much more. Uh, I mean, it's it, there's a lot of extremely talented players, but 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 there's maybe one or two guys on the field that might 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 get drafted at any one time. So they may they may, may never make the big league. So you're not watching big league baseball. And, and I think that that difference in speed is immense and, and it's noticeable. What would be the routine for you? Uh, and you were, again, a, a different stratosphere in overall talent and the ability to just finish games uh, and, and the speed at which you pitched. But what was it like getting back to the next start health-wise, uh, knowing that you, uh, led, you led the pitchers in abuse points or whatever, but you, yeah, still, yeah. you still were back out there at the next scheduled start? Would the routine be different today than, it, than the way you handled it then? No, no, it wouldn't have been. I, I had I my method evolved and 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 became an amalgam of probably a hundred different pitchers or players or or performers that I studied for preparation. Um, uh, and and you know what what drove that for me back then would probably drive me today. I hated losing so much that I in my mind I wanted to do anything I could humanly do to make sure it never happened again. 
And so when I stepped out on the mound after five days, I stepped out on the mound with the confidence of, hey, listen, nobody's out me and out prepared me. So here we go. That's a level of con- think of. I mean, that's a level of confidence. I'm stepping on the field with the best players in the world. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm, doesn't matter. Bonds is hitting third. So what? I'm still still going to win. But and I see some of these, you know, pitch counts, Kurt. And I think if Kurt Schilling was playing at uh, LSU in 2023, and you're 19, 20, 21 years old, you're pitching 178 pitches if you can, because you're probably telling your coach, "I, I need to be out here. I don't want to give this game up to well, someone else." That's part of the competitor, right? Well, with that, but also this pitch count stuff is relatively a new science, right? I mean, this is this is only 20, 30 years old in the sense that, you know, Nolan Ryan threw 230 some pitches in a complete game. Uh, you know, guys guys threw 30 complete games a season. Uh, you know, and, and I remember the the one I remember vividly was like the early 70s Oakland A's. They had like five guys in their rotation. Billy Martin ran them through and had they had like a hundred some complete games. Um, but that was what you were brought up to do. Now these kids aren't doing that they're not being taught that they're not being and you have to do it you can't you you can't ask a kid who's thrown 150 innings at the most at, at his peak in his lifetime to suddenly go to the big leagues and throw 180 200 innings that's just not how it works you can't ask guys to do things for the first time in the big leagues and unfortunately that's exactly what's happening because you're seeing these guys get to the, i had like 600 innings in the minor leagues before i got to the big leagues and i i had thrown probably in the minor leagues 15 to 25 complete games. I had close to two 200 inning seasons in the minor leagues. Um, I did all those things before I got to the big leagues. I pitched in the ninth inning with the tying run on second base. Uh, it wasn't in Wrigley Field. It was in Elmira, New York, or or some other place. But but these kids are having to to, to experience things and do things for the first time in the big leagues. And and as a pitcher, that's just not a healthy way. It's not a healthy thing to do. Kurt, I'm a Braves fan. I'm watching their game last night against the Detroit Tigers. Charlie Morton's got a great start. They're up 4-0 or 4-1 when he leaves the game. 4-0. They're up 5-2 going in the ninth. And Rossiel Iglesias just blows it. He's got a terrible outing and mm-hmm. gives up three. The Braves end up losing in 10. And even knowing it's 1-162, of I'm still bothered by it, seeing a bullpen yep. come in and completely screw things up. I wanted to ask you the Major League Baseball starting pitcher vantage point of that when it happens to you. If you're Charlie Morton and you've got a great start and it happens, how hard is it maybe not to say something, but just what you're thinking as it happens? Well, it's not hard to not say something, uh, but, but I had the luxury of doing, doing all every role you could do in a pitching staff. I was a closer. I was a setup guy. I was a mop up guy, middle guy. And I started, I know for a guaranteed bona fide fact that there is no worse feeling in the world than a closer who blows a save because you have let down 24 guys and everybody in the stadium in a day when everybody was feeling good, when you jogged on the field and they feel like crap when, when they leave the stadium, it's the worst feeling in the world. And so, so that's, I mean, it's a starter, you know what? Yeah. You, you, it's frustrating. And, 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 but it, it's your teammate. So, so there's not, you know, with rare exception, you don't ever, you know, there's no animosity. It just, it, but that's also one of the things that they say in baseball, all losses are not created equal and they're not late inning losses are painful. And those are the things that can, that can bury a team. If you don't have a good manager, you don't have good leadership in the clubhouse because those things can linger. 
Kurt Schilling with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. We know how you feel about Jacob deGrom. Uh, what were you thinking when you, when you learned that he was having Tommy oh. John for a second time in his career? Uh, you know what? I, it, it's, it's one of those situations I don't, you don't ever want to be in an I told you so position. But I, I said when, when this, the contract happened, I, 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 placed, I had a bet. I actually placed a futures bet, and I took the under uh, uh, 20 starts. I, I just didn't – there's nothing that – and, again, I love this guy. And I think, honest to God, I would tell you that, that he might be one of the two or three most dominating pitchers in the history of the game when he was healthy, not just in his, in his generation, but ever. The stuff that he did was, was I've never seen before. And, and, you know, I was very proud of my command. And I was a guy who I think in, in 2002, I, I, I went into September with uh, 19 wins and 18 walks. And so I didn't walk people and, and, but he's doing the things that I did, but he's doing it at, at 101 miles an hour with three wipeout pitches that I never came close to having. Um, he, he's in my opinion, uh, he's as close to Pedro at his peak than anybody I've ever seen is. And again, I, I don't Devastated know. Though. It, it, is that, oh. do you think because he does all of that with his arm that it led to more injury like stuff or no. is it just, just unfortunate? No, for, well, first off, the human body is not built to throw baseball. Right. It is a yeah. very unconventional and, and unorthodox thing. And, and if you talk to people, and this was one of the things I studied when I played, I studied not medicine, but I studied the arm and the body. And I actually, I, I said in my show the other day, I sat in on an autopsy early in my career of a human cadaver and got to look at the inside of the human shoulder and, and understand all the moving pieces and parts and what they look like and how they functioned and moved with each other. And, and the, the, the fact that matter, it's a very simple thing. Not everybody's body is built the same. Yeah. You know, my, I, I clearly have, I had great collagen. My body healed fast. My, my connective tissues were better than other people's and they have to be. When you think about the fact that the arms moving thousands of, 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 you know, milliseconds, thousands of, 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 uh, degrees a second, it's not conventional, and and Jacob was a, a very one of the, the challenging parts. He's a very max effort guy, so there was no. I mean, Greg Maddox, uh, in my opinion, threw two to three, four miles an hour softer than he could have thrown his entire career uh, to command and have precision, but also for health. And and not a lot of guys can do that. In fact, for the most part, everybody in baseball is turned into a max effort guy because they've fallen so in love with velocity, and that's why there's fewer pitchers and a lot more throwers in the game today. So the Braves-Mets broadcast from the Braves standpoint last Thursday featured John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, Chipper Jones, and Jeff Francoeur. Four former players, <laughs> no play-by-play guy. And they alternated innings doing a little bit of play-by-play, but just telling stories and having fun. It helped that the game turned out to be a 13-10 to walk-off extra inning win. Right. The Braves came back and won. But it was so much fun, Kurt. And I wanted to ask you, how much fun would you have doing a broadcast oh. like that without a play-by-play guy and just former players of a team? And when do you think a team out there is going to watch this and think, you know, maybe this is the route for our broadcast moving forward yeah. for 162 games? So, so a couple things. First off, if I was to do it in the group that I would do it with, there would have to be somebody on that little panic button thing um, <laughs> because the, the story, well, I mean the story and that's the fun, right? I, I always <laughs> said when I was in the booth, you guys don't want to hear the fact that Shoy Otani has a 
ERA and he's he's this that everybody knows that you guys want to hear what what's actually being said between the pitcher catcher when they're on the mound you want to hear what's going on in the dugout and all the stupid goofy stories that happen yes oh my god well listen I think baseball mic'd up in spring training is the best thing that's ever happened and how they how that isn't an everyday thing for every team now is mind-boggling to me because I think it would be fascinating to to be able to sit in and listen to Mookie Betts for nine innings, and, you know, and, and talk to him and 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 things like that. But um, I would have a blast because I would pick. I mean, I would have Doug Mirabelli would be one of the guys. Cause I, it would just be fun. It would be nine innings of laughing, and you'd understand how players got through 162 game schedule. Well, and I, uh, you know, NFL has hard knocks. Uh, were they behind yeah. the scenes? I, I think that would be great if, if Major League Baseball would just open up a clubhouse. Now, you have to be picky yeah. on which one. Again, not everyone would want to do it, but there are players. Right, it's not going to happen. There, there are players right. now in, in the middle of a regular season game that will be mic'd up for an inning. Yep. You know, and that's yep. nerve wracking for me. I'm, I'm thinking the ball's about to come to him. I would, as a pitcher, I wouldn't want my second yeah. baseman mic'd up or my yeah. right fielder mic'd up. You know, I, as long as it didn't impact, as I if I knew the guy, I mean, it, it wouldn't impact the game. But but the the whole uh, hard knocks thing for baseball, I think that stuff's going to get less and less with the with the woke culture that we're in now. Uh, the clubhouse is a is a is, well, it's a disgusting place. I mean, it's it's you know, the clubhouse is. I always say the major clubhouse is like being in college at a fraternity without having to go to class and getting paid millions of dollars. I mean, it it, it is it is the most the debauchery and the stuff that we say to each other and the things that we do, because nothing's off limits. That's where we relax. That's how you get through the grind. Uh, we say and do some outlandish thing. And you know what fans, there are fans that probably would walk away from the game. If they knew the, some of the idiotic things that we say and do in a clubhouse, hey. but we're, we're still boys. That's the thing is, is, is it, we're boys at heart playing a, a man's game. I, I think fans would come back even more. You know, like I, I'm going to yeah. tune in even more. Uh, and, and the other yeah, comparison, yeah. like I like the comparison of the clubhouse in college, just less ramen as well is what I would also say about the clubhouse to college. Better spread. Yeah. Yes. Which team had the best spread, by the oh, way? That, the yeah, clubhouse? well, that's changed too. Oh, really? That's changed. That's changed too because right as I was right as I was going out of the game, they started bringing these chefs in and they started like <laughs> – there was not a healthy calorie in the clubhouse before <laughs> before the postgame spread. I mean, it was gum and candy and chips and cereal, whatever. And then they started getting on this health craze, and they started pulling that stuff out and, and bringing in the Gabe Kapler food, right? You could eat <laughs> five pounds of it and gain three ounces and shred body fat. It was like – which – so then we'd have the clubhouse guys go get us stuff, and, and that was – well, then you had the chicken and beer Red Sox in 2013 that ended all that. How many guys would just go behind the scenes to grab a cigarette or a chew whenever they tried to outlaw all that? Oh, everybody. Yeah. I mean, everybody. (laughs) You know what? That's one of the things. Very. I I remember, God, I remember when I was a kid, I saw Dave Parker in Sports Illustrated smoking a cigarette. And I was like, it blew me away. It was like terrifying to me. And and I remember, you know, that that has gotten to be less of a thing. The guy that smokes in the club, it's rare. Mm-hmm. And now it's, I, it's, I, I would imagine it's incredibly unique, be, and which is a good thing. Um, the, the, the dip is still probably a, pro, a prevalent thing and a very big deal. But, I mean, you know, we, we made our lives, we got to the big leagues not having to follow anybody else's rules. So what makes them think we're going to start following rules now? Yeah, and, and so, and Chad and I have discussed this over the last couple of years, because when Bauer was actually allowed to play in Major League Baseball, he had that vlog. Teammates, some teammates were okay right. with it, and a lot of them hated it. 
And you could tell. And I think yeah. that goes to the overriding yeah. theme of what you're saying is, hey, man, what happens yeah. in here is a fraternity. Get the camera and turn it off. Yeah. Well, and, and, but he was a different case. He was kind of a, a, a he was, I want to say Dick, but he was. He was, he, and and it, it's clear he was never, he wasn't a good teammate. He wasn't, I mean, he's a dummy. He's a, he's clearly an exceptional talent, but the, some of the stuff that he did, uh, you know, he doesn't have common sense is, is severely lacking in that kid. And that's, you know, he's paid for it. Kurt Schilling, check out the Kurt Schilling baseball show available now every Tuesday and Friday at outkick.com. Kurt, always great, man. We love uh, whenever you're joining us on these weeks and uh, I appreciate have, it. Have a great West of the week. And we'll be checking out the podcast again on Friday. Thank you guys. Take care. Thanks, Kurt. <clears throat> There's Kurt Schilling. I love the behind the scenes stories. Oh, he's I do referencing too. there. And he's right. When I'm watching a baseball broadcast, I, I don't want stats being thrown at me. I, I do like when the they can get into stories or here's what you're thinking in this situation. Here's what the manager's looking at. I, I love little bits of the game like that. And then when you get a blowout, you get into some really good you know pastime stories from the players. And you had a lot of that in that Braves broadcast. Yep. Uh, Kurt, we mentioned he's got the, the Kurt Schilling baseball show at Outkick. Here is a, a, an example. He, he's discussing the college pitcher and the coaches that are focused on winning and not necessarily the pitch counts at the college level. He's pitching down one nothing with a season on the line. Uh, he throws 156 pitches, and they win. Um, and then Guru, and I'm using air quotes, Guru Keith Law, uh, the last major league starter to throw 135 or more in one game was Tim Lincecum. Is two. 2013 no-hitter. Edwin Jackson in 2010 did it. Uh, Brandon Morrow. Last guy to throw 156 pitches in a game was 1997 Tim Wakefield, who's a knuckleballer. So his 156, for the most part, was kind of like somebody else throwing 62 pitches because the knuckleball wasn't something that that took out of your arm. Uh, the last non-knuckleballer to do it was, surprise, surprise, Roger Clemens in 1996. Uh, fans were were tweeting things like, this is absurd. Somewhere a Tommy John surgeon has bought himself a Rolex. 156, are they trying to kill him? Uh, let's be clear. Matthews was drafted last year. He's 119th prospect on the uh, Major League Baseball list. A um, couple things. First off, hats off to the kid for 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 being that, that guy, that guy who wants the ball, who wants to be on the mound, who wants to grind and get through it. Um, and 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 to the people that that wonder about this, they're they're this is obviously not all inclusive, but college coaches for the most part don't give two craps about the future prospects of a player they have. College baseball is a business, and their job is to win games. And, th- and nowadays, you're seeing college coaches move into the pro ranks. You know they that you don't you don't move into the pro ranks. You don't get promoted. You don't get a raise if you're not in the regionals. If you're not playing at the College World Series, regardless of what level you're at, um, insanely irresponsible thing to do. Insane, ridiculous. Uh, I don't even know who the manager is. I didn't even look it up because I didn't want to know his name because uh, I didn't want to call him out personally like that. But ridiculous, uh, insane, irresponsible. Um, you know, it gets back to what I said earlier in my career. No one is ever going to care more about your career than you. No doctor, no trainer, no coach, nobody, but you you and your family. No one's going to care about your career as much as you, and you have to take control of some things.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine Outkick Network uh, includes all the great shows that you can check out at our YouTube page. And uh, just search at Outkick. We hope you subscribe there. Smash the like button. Join us in the chat. A lot of people did today. Continue to smash it. Right. Check out the Kurt Schilling baseball show today. Uh, Always smashes it with us whenever he joins us. Great stories there. And a recall of parades and the river being 30 Got into the uh, bygone era when athletes smoked today. Yeah. It's not something you see as much of today. Well, now it's vaping. I don't know how many athletes vape, though. I I guarantee you a lot of the college players do. Probably. They're hiding the vapes. I do think that it's probably very few and far between that a pro athlete would smoke a cigarette, like Kurt told yeah, us. Yeah, smoking a cigarette, yeah. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Um, few and far between that could survive in the Amazon for 40 days. Four kids did it. Not me. Including an 11-month-old. The ages, we, just to update the story from yesterday, 13, 9, 4, and 1. Uh, those are the kids' ages that were lost for 40 days. They found the plane 16 days after it crashed in the Amazon. They're found alive in, in Colombia. And three of the adults that were in the plane were with the wreckage dead. And they figured, hey, maybe these kids are alive somewhere. Turns out they were. And the update to the story is how they survived. We didn't know the details of it. They, they, they would have uh, food dropped in. They had a, a loudspeaker with their grandmother's voice playing that, that asked them to stay put wherever they were because they thought they were within a three-mile radius, and they were. It was just so dense, it took that long to search that three-mile radius. But, Chad, the update through Fox News is they hid in tree trunks to protect themselves from snakes, animals, and mosquitoes that were just in the jungle. And you mentioned this, and this is where I thought of, I was like, I'd be dead in a day. They had a very good familiarity with the rainforest fruits that were... Edible. Edible. That's where I would die. I would eat something poisonous immediately. I would eat from the tree of life or <laughs> the tree of good and evil and, uh, and perish in the rainforest. They also ate some sort of uh, uh, fruit or a plant that created a flower that they, they subsisted on for a while uh, that, yeah, I, that I read. Yeah. Nuts. Craziness. And then they, you know, they forage for supplies. But that's like the 13-year-old doing that with a nine- and a four-year-old also caring for an 11-month-old. Yeah, the 13-year-old was essentially able to keep everyone else alive, including an 11-month-old baby. Chad, uh, the fail of the week, Big Cat from Barstool said he, he couldn't stop watching this video. This is uh, like a entertainment at a, a, a South American like soccer match. And there's it's this obstacle guy. obstacle course. It's a little it's American Gladiator. Yeah, American Gladiator-style obstacle course. And I... American Ninja Davey Warrior, Hudson maybe, sent this to us. That. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Except he's running and trying to do stuff, but it's an automatic <laughs> fail. Davey is like, you know, how embarrassing is this for this guy? I look at this. First thought is because <laughs> he's, he's overweight. He's what, forty-five to fifty years old? How, how many? How many pounds are we talking here? 
Yeah, he's probably uh, 300. He doesn't look that tall, so he's okay. probably about 300 pounds. So, like, he, you know, he's trying to go up little obstacle courses. He's now going to uh, go up with uh, uh, American Gladiator He's not Gladiator huge style. other than just a huge belly. What, very out of shape. This man. So, uh, I, I immediately thought of, this is not legit. This is for, you know, the laugh. And I think Davey's like, yeah, it's very embarrassing because he can't accomplish anything. I think this is more like Guillermo on the Jimmy Kimmel show than anything else. Legit. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. But, I mean, he, he can't do anything, and it's gimmicked at the end that he knocks down the, the, the wrestler that's in a luchador mask uh, onto the mat. Yeah, this may be a work. Oh, he, the, the, yeah, the drop the, the end. The belly he's flop definitely, and everything He's else. probably like a TV star. He's probably a wrestler. Or something down <laughs> in South America. But it's, a it, it's a great gimmick idea. For a halftime bit. No, it's it's a really good. I bit. would like to see more people step up and just be the be the clown of entertainment. Look, uh, this is a enough long, dog sketching for long held truth in comedy. Fat people are funny. They just are. There are many fat actors and comics. They used to be kings that have just you know now when, when they decided to lose weight, they became less funny. And many didn't want to lose the weight because they thought they'd be less Henry funny. Henry VIII and was in fact, power they were for his weight. Funny. And today he'd be a halftime gimmick. Yep. <laughs> Fat is funny. Back at it tomorrow. Dan Dockich and Clay Travis on the Wednesday edition. Hope you'll join us. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network.